Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. This week we're talking about something surprising that recently came up and that I never anticipated being a thing, much less one to talk about. And it's hard to describe, but I'm going to call it searching for meaning when you're trans. I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the detailed schematic that helped me find the way out, (laughs) Susan Bridges. That's a good one. I am a detailed schematic. You really are. And you you did help me find the way out of the darkness. So this will all make more sense as we get into what we're talking about. Which is, I mean, accidental, I suppose. You're an accidental schematic. I'm an accidental schematic. That's the best kind. That is good. Unexpected schematics. Yes. (laughs) Our guest this week is CJ. CJ's a huge nerd about pretty much everything, be it media, music, sexuality, psychology, books, or games. They have a self-diagnosed busy mind and a passion for people and conversation. In the waking world, they work as chief operations officer for a fintech firm trying to make capitalism just a little bit less terrible. Outside of that, they're a board games fanatic, a moderately good pianist, a lover of audio drama, and a painter of small plastic models. Oh, and they love cheese and wine. Welcome, CJ. Yeah, I put that at the end. Just, you know, the priority is the cheese and wine. Everything else, we can, yeah. we can fit in around that. But you got to have a hierarchy and so exactly. you know what's most you do, important. You do, you do have to have. <laughs> it, well, in this circumstance, you have to have hierarchies. Yes. yes. Hello, right. it's lovely to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's it's great to have you. Let me let me ask just so that I'm clear and so that the audience is clear. What is a fintech firm? Oh lord. Um, so it is a financial technology company. So we are essentially okay. we are essentially a technology service provider for financial companies, generally okay. small financial companies that are trying to service parts of society that usually are excluded from any kind of help when it comes to investing money, banking services, because there's no education for it and there's no promotion for it. That, thus ends my spiel. But that is, yeah, that's essential. That, that's doing. pretty so cool, though. Yeah. Are we, like, pronouncing it right, that? Is it fintech? Like, financial in- tech that should be fin- fintech. fintech, right? Okay. Yeah, fintech, I don't know. Yeah. I work for big companies most of the time <laughs> when I'm not writing. So, yeah, this- I did before this, so like, I was a big company for like a decade, and then this has been the next project So uh, since then. So yeah, I get it. It's very different to go between the two. Like, really it, different. <laughs> it is. It is yeah. uh, night and day, yeah. Uh, and I work from home pretty much solidly now, which is lovely, but uh, it's a very different world from working in a massive office with a thousand people. Right? Me too. Yeah, I'm working from home too, and I like it. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably say we've known CJ for like a really long time. A very long time. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's getting getting close to two decades now. No. Oh, God. Yep. <laughs> what has happened? And we've never actually met in person. This nope. is the magic of 
the internet. The internet. Yeah. Because Here's, you live I, in 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 the UK. Yeah. I do. I do. And I've yeah. now, I haven't done a trip to the US since we met each other. Um, Did I, we I, meet? Have I no, no, it was, no, no. Since like we met online. Oh, I mean, you oh, know, oh, okay. Like, I haven't yeah, actually. Yeah. But it right, is I, was on... gonna, I was going to feel really bad if I think about it in person and I've forgotten. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I keep meaning to come to America and, and it just hasn't happened. So, but one day, one day we will meet in person. Maybe when things are a little better here. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> Who wants to come here now? I know. We don't like you. <laughs> we, can, right. we, can, we can go country to country if you want. Like, you know, uh, the UK <laughs> is, has its whole raft of its own problems right yeah, now. Yeah, that is true. That is <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, getting into all that would be like another ten episode. Yeah, that would be okay. That'd be a lot. Yeah, spin-off okay. podcast. There you go. Pitch, pitch that yeah. idea. <laughs> okay, so let me ask: being non-binary, what did transitioning look like for you? I've never really felt like a man. Okay. Now I look back, and certainly in the last decade, I have expressed more gender non-conforming attributes in the way I present myself well, now mo now most of those probably the actual active like conscious decisions are things like you know I've worn nail varnish for since I was a teenager so that's been a big part but you know jewelry and some of the clothing choices but now I look back and I think actually a lot of and this is problematic because this is where you start saying like gender means certain personality types or certain yeah. ways of behaving which is we all agree is is nonsense and a construct but certain ways in the way that I act are actively like against kind of what I would call kind of toxic masculinity or, or, or you know, like that perceived idea of societal maleness, which is, yeah. you know, which try and break down. So that's kind of happened. And then three years ago or three years ago, I kind of felt like, oh, I think I'm going towards something. And I'd spoken to my wife a few times about kind of like, actually, I feel like I, I might want to present more, more androgynous in certain ways uh, in, you know, again, the way I, the way I dress and the way I present myself. And then two years ago, during lockdown, because uh, lockdown brings about, you know, thoughts about oneself uh, when sure you've got does. nothing else to do. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> that was when I, I literally one evening I sat down with Bex and I was like, I think I, I think I'm non-binary. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I think that's going to mean some changes. So what does that mean? Um, so pronoun change. Originally, I was kind of he, they. And then I was actually, you know, I hate he. And so it was they, them. <laughs> and there's definitely a lot of like masculine attributable words that I've moved away from sir and things yeah. like that I'm still kind of I've still kind of fine with kind of husband brother son partly because all of the non-binary versions of those are clinical you know yeah, sibling yeah. spouse etc we need and better have, words we need better words so I've we just do. kind of gone you know what those words don't trigger me they don't upset me that's that's what I am if we come up with a better word then that might be something I move to in the future and then and this is the this is the thing which I think this is the ridiculousness of the world that we live in. Like, as soon as I made that decision, I was like, I am buying dresses and low cut tops and cool skirts and high heels and massive four inch platform shoes. And I'm going to wear loads of makeup and just present totally differently. Now, I could have done that for the last 20 years. And I, you know, as I said, I've you know, nail varnish and a little bit of makeup here and there over those 20 years. I could have done that at any point in time. But it was a decision. It was the real decision, realization, decision to come out, the decision to say, I am non-binary to everybody. Right. That meant I felt, oh, I can do all that stuff. And hey, I really like it. And I really like 
that feels much more like me. And I do jump back and forth. I think, you know, Eddie Izzard, I don't know if you're aware of Eddie Izzard, um, a a British comedian. Yeah. So she talks about and talked about for years prior to coming out as trans, talked about boy boy mode and girl mode, how she presented in her stand-up. And that's very much how I feel. Like some mornings I wake up and like, you know, it's going to be jeans and t-shirt and I'm not going to do any makeup. And then yeah, other days, I have it's plenty like... mornings like that too. So. <laughs> exactly, and yeah. that's the nonsense thing, right? Because of course, loads of cis and trans women have those days where yeah. it's like, and it's not boy mode and girl mode. It's just I'm just going to dress in comfy clothes that are attributed to masculine type yeah, people. Exactly, and it's you know, and it's a, it's a quagmire. Of, you know, I think about this a lot, and I you know I'm I appreciate your your columns because i think you do uh, you you do articulate quite a lot of this obviously from a trans woman point of view but i think a lot of it kind of crosses it, it obviously crosses over the trans spectrum yeah and i think you do you do articulate a lot of this quite well that it is complex because there's you want people to see you in a certain way and so you, yep. you're looking at me right now i've got a beard this is not coming off i love having a beard that's um, awesome though. you know but yeah. it does mean that like if i don't if i go out in a t-shirt and jeans I'm going to get called sir by everybody. Yep, in, in absolutely. And, and that's going to happen. Now, do I go to them? Actually, I'm not a sir. And have that conversation when I just want to eat my Nando's, you know, every <laughs> yeah, time, yeah. you know. And <sighs> I don't know. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I want to have that conversation. If it feels yeah. like a friendly place, if I go to a queer space, then I will have right. that conversation. But if I'm yeah. just in the shop, I'm like, oh, I just want to. Yeah, I know. I You know, <laughs> I deal with that too because I... A lot of times when I go out, if I'm going to talk to somebody, I'm I'm presenting more feminine. It's not just a super lazy day, right? But I still yeah. get misgendered all the time. And it's like, what do we have to do if I'm presenting myself as stereotypically feminine as possible just so you'll gender me correctly and you still don't? It's like, you know, yeah. it's... And also there's just like, like all of society has been like you are at a or b well yeah and like there's this like obsession with having to label you yeah like yeah and like you can't get away from it you know try like you can't so ingrained in our culture it is and everything and it's like maybe you don't have to constantly say sir or ma'am to every single person yeah here gendered honorifics are are like could we stop a little they're annoying (laughs) and yet when someone uses a miss or a ma'am for me, it feels really good. But at the same time, I feel like we don't really need gendered honorifics, right? Just call people captain. And it is captain. (laughs) It's awkward, right? Fellow humans. Fellow humans. Friends. I'm I'm very down with us all all being captain. That that's great. Let's let's all one starship each. I like it. Yeah. I'm I'm fully down with that plan. But largely like I'm very lucky, you know, I've had complete support from from my wife, from my friends, my loved ones. That's family. so good. I, I I really haven't had much. I haven't had no like anyone I know in my life. I haven't had any pushback. Obviously, the stuff you get online, yeah. occasionally, which I know you know more than more oh, than well yeah. enough about. Sadly, yep. and occasionally yep. you get the odd comment or things out in out in the world. But I think I think I comment on something recently that like generally I find like you get a lot more st- stuff, a lot more problematic stuff in the online world than you do out in the real world at least that's my experience like i'm much more likely to get something horrible said to me on twitter because of something i've said than i am hanging out in the corner shop or going to the pub 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it does still happen in the real world, and it's probably given our society a little worse for trans women, or like for you, it's probably worse if you're in a dress and makeup totally. than yes. otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I but online, the, the anonymity definitely Embolden. emboldens people it for does. sure. Yeah, yeah, especially because in person, you know, I get weird looks from people, but especially when it's warm and you can see my guns, my biceps, they leave me alone a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you do have amazing biceps. Um, oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Let's talk I, about I, that for the next time. I've seen photos. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What has been for you then the best and worst or most difficult part of transitioning to being non-binary and being your, your true self? The best has been feeling like this thing that I was not repressing, but was ignoring, not ha not doing that anymore. And just, it just feels so natural yeah. to like, to like say, I'm CJ, I'm non-binary, my pronoun pronouns are they, I'm having other people react to that. It doesn't change much about how I act in the world or, you know, how my life is in terms of what I do. That has all right. stayed the same, still a massive nerd. But, um, <laughs> same. but you know, yeah, but it just feels better. And like that feeling is, you know, it's euphoric. And, yeah. and this is a slightly semi-problematic thing. But when I came out, I remember very distinctly, it was not long after Zack Snyder's Justice League had come out. And we can talk about that till the cows come home. But I posted a GIF, which is the GIF of fl the Flash running at the end of that film, uh -huh. which is a wonderful slow motion piece. And that is how it felt. Now, we won't go into Ezra Miller conversation right now, but that yeah. that 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 GIF, that expression on their face as they're yeah. running, that's how it felt. It felt like oh, freedom. Yeah, and, and so know, it's I not think... a yeah. Sorry. No, no, you go ahead. You're I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, it's, it's not a tangible thing. It's not like a this thing is the best thing. It's the yeah. general whole confluence of it together. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that I also think that people don't realize that ignoring those feelings inside or or pretending they're not there, it takes so much of your energy and time and thought that you don't even realize is there. That was a, an amazing thing for me. Is once I didn't have to do that, how much more open I was to the world and the experiences around me because I had the capacity to deal with those things suddenly before I never did. Yeah. Yeah, I no, I completely I completely understand that. And then the worst Yeah. Is an increased level of fear. Yeah, sure. To to be quite frank. Yep. I think I've you know I, I've always been, a, you know, I've gone through periods where I've been quite gothy and stuff, and you can get sure. crap out on the streets for that. Yeah, you know, but that it's kind of it's kind of minor. And I've, you know, I've always been sort of a little bit femme, and I'm not particularly, you know, I'm not I'm not aggressive at all or anything like that. And so a little bit of, you know, stick for that. But going out in a dress and makeup and high heels and tights and being like hello at the train station locally and getting on the train with a bunch of randoms and traveling into the city and then walking from said train station in the city to whichever hopefully queer friendly pub or or space that I'm going to for that night out. That is suddenly a lot more scary than it was if I was doing it in, you know, jeans and a shirt and, yeah. and a hoodie or something. So, you know, I've been scared out before because there are aggressive people around at a point in time. But now sometimes it's scary, even if there aren't, because of the potential of it. Right. And I say I've been very lucky. I've had some stuff shouted at me. 
very rare and i i've had i've definitely heard comments and mumbling and you get a lot of stares oh yeah i don't care come, come look <laughs> beautiful <laughs> i'm uh, i'm very happy uh yeah stare at me all you like I have been lucky, but it's still the fear. And, you know, I live near Birmingham in the UK and Birmingham has a very thriving, active LGBT plus quarter in it with lots of bars and clubs and activities and stuff. It's it's very good. But there have been hate attacks in that area in the last year. Now, not specifically against trans people. It's been against queer people in general. But, you know, that is a it's again, it's an increasing level. And the rhetoric in the UK is dreadful right now yeah across the media across politics it's just appalling it's the worst it has ever been for for trans people in general in terms of the discussion right now yeah i think it's a pretty much the same here in the u.s right now so i mean we have we have areas that are much more welcoming and accepting but then you know there's half the country that is the opposite of that and a federal government that refuses to do anything to stop it. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's rough out there. So please, all of you listening, be careful, be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Don't go alone if you can help it. Have a buddy. Even Los Angeles is pretty mixed. Yeah. A lot of people think, you know, we're just all a bunch of happy liberals. Yeah, that is stuff again. It's like, no, you know, all the rich people are here, right? Yeah. And you know what those rich people are like. (laughs) Are you, are, you te- are you telling me that American movies have lied to me all this time? Because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very disappointed in this. I can tell you Hollywood is not very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the location Hollywood is, well, it can be a little dangerous, I suppose. Well, if you're, but if you're talking about like, the entertainment business as Hollywood. Yeah, an entertainment business is a totally different thing than actual hollywood yeah but okay we're getting way off topic (laughs) we should get into the actual topic of the week okay let's do that okay let's do that okay so this is going to be a little more speculative than other topics but please stick with me because i think you'll understand by the time we're done or i hope so anyway because otherwise i've completely failed at communicating this incredibly nebulous thing hooray so recently An image crossed my social media. It's an artistic cutaway of the Death Star from Star Wars by Hans Jensen from Star Wars Incredible Cross Sections 1999. You can see this photo in the social media and Google Doc versions of this topic at TillysTransTuesdays.com. And I hear you already, but Tills, how is this trans? Look, just stick with me. Okay, listen. I have always, always, always loved images like that. And not just of sci-fi stuff, though I absolutely did love seeing the insides of spaceships and sci-fi gadgets and all those fun goodies, but also houses and airplanes and buildings and underground missile silos. It doesn't matter. I loved them all. When Susan and I first moved in together, we even had a giant poster of the Enterprise-D from Star Trek The Next Generation on the wall, and it had cutaways like that so that you could see the different decks and where all the different parts of the ship were, and I adored it. And had bathrooms on there, too. That that was you could finally see where they were. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have those too. And I've also got the full blueprint set that goes through deck by deck. Yes. That shows an incredible so amount cool. of, of whale tanks that yeah. are, were on the Enterprise. <laughs> Cetacean Ops. Yes. Yeah, which they finally brought into Lower Deck. They did. So Cetacean Ops. Because it's a cartoon and you can show whales a lot easier. Uh-huh. But Okay. <laughs> But something about them has always fascinated me. I'd spend hours as a kid poring over them, just staring and getting lost in my imagination. And for that matter, I also loved my Star Trek Next Generation technical manual and any kind of blueprints or diagrams of anything. And this is a weird question that I never really imagined asking someone, 
But what's been your relationship to diagrams of blueprints and cutaways and things like that? Did you have the same kind of weird pull or interest in them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 lo I love all that stuff. I've got various ones of Star Wars and Star Trek. As I said, I had the, S the, the, the TNG yeah. blueprints of the Enterprise D. I've also somewhere, no, I know where they are, actually, they're in my loft because they're so big. The Star Trek Next Generation fact files, there were 17... I, well, I'm holding my hands out. It's not very good for a podcast, is it? But, you know, like two meters, two meters of folders just stacked full of information. And at oh. least two of those folders are just cutaways of starships. That's nothing so else. Cool. I know. It's I amazing. Didn't know existed. I mean, they're completely superfluous now with the internet. Like everything right? in yeah. them is on the internet. Yeah. But, they, but they're so great. And I, yeah, I, I, I'm always fascinated about what makes up something. Yeah. Yes, yes. So when its Death Star image crossed my feed, it immediately gave me pause. It's absolutely stunning on its own as a piece of art, and I felt right back into those old feelings, staring at it in wonder and getting lost in my imagination. But something was different. I still loved it and was still getting lost in my imagination, and it still sparked that same feeling I always used to get but never had a way to describe, except this time it was a little less. And then it dissipated and was replaced by this deep sadness. And when I tell you I was completely baffled, that's not hyperbole. What the ding-dang was going on here? Well, by now you've realized I'm somewhat introspective, and I, I think almost all trans people are. We kind of have to be to figure ourselves out in spite of transphobic society. And then I remembered that my high school, for some reason, offered architecture classes, and I took them for four years. I thought I wanted to be an architect, but I didn't actually like drawing those or the exact measurements. I wasn't good at it, and the math really annoyed me. I didn't want to make those things, I just wanted to look at them. But why? What was I hoping to gain by this? Why did they fascinate me? What was it that drew me to them like a moth to flame or like a tilly to a pizza? And then it hit me like an anvil out of the sky. Someone mentioned in the replies that they used to love the the uh, Richard Scarry. Is it scary? Is it scary? The Richard Scarry uh, children's books for the same reason. And I remembered that I did too. And he used cutaways rather frequently. I so remember was... those books as well. Yeah, right? They're so yeah. fun. Yeah, we and definitely so had a couple at home when I was a kid. Yeah. So what was this revelation, this epiphany, the discovery that made me love cutaways and diagrams and schematics and blueprints, make it all make sense, and why my wonder turned to sadness? It occurred to me that I was always so fascinated because I wanted to see what was inside and how it was different from what was outside. And when you're a trans kid who doesn't know you're trans, every little thing can be a window into trying to find yourself. And that was it. That was it exactly. And it's why those feelings about it changed. When I looked at these cutaways, I was filled with this longing. And it wasn't just because I wanted to go adventuring on a starship, although I do want that. Don't get me wrong. Please hit me up, NASA. But I was searching for meaning about myself. I was hoping that in understanding why things inside were different from their outsides, I could somehow understand how my insides, I'm a girl, were different from my outsides, not a boy. So I wanted to ask you, CJ, if you had anything like this in your past, maybe not exactly the schematics, but something you always loved without understanding why, and maybe later you figured out it was somehow tied in with something else in your life in an unexpected way. I think I've always... I've always loved clothes, uh -huh. but I never got particularly excited about masculine style clothing. And I'd always, <laughs> yeah, I'd always see people wearing, you know, dresses and skirts and and things like that. And definitely my impression when I was younger was, 
God, that's so pretty. Um, isn't that nice? And that was the end of the thought. It yeah. wasn't like, oh, I want to wear that. It was just because that idea was like silly, you know, as a teenager, you know, yeah. that's not going to happen. And then obviously, and I've, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of trans friends, non-binary friends, you know, going back pretty much to my student days. So I've known a lot of people and that's, and but it's odd that it's still taken me so long to get to my journey, despite having these people around me going, hey, look at me, you could be like me. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that seems scary. So I, I, I think, yeah, my fascination over that kind of, I, I, I didn't realize that until coming out as non-binary. And as I was saying earlier, that kind of opening the door to me to present in other ways, I didn't realize that, oh, I really love this. I love shoes and, and presenting in different ways and like yeah. mixing and matching things and trying different things out and it's led me it's led me way back into kind of goth clothing and stuff which I haven't really worn since I was like a student in my early 20s but I've gone a lot more like you know I've got like goth jewelry and things and and, yeah. and stuff that I've been buying recently and that is all like oh this is me this is so great yeah, it's amazing how we continue to find out new things about ourselves as we go. Things we didn't expect, you know, it all comes back around at some point. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I spent my childhood, you know, wondering why my insides and my outsides didn't match. And was there a word for that? And there is. It's gender dysphoria. And is there something that's the opposite of that when you feel your outsides match your insides? Yes, there is. It's gender euphoria. There are posts on both of those at TillysTransTuesdays.com. And some of you may think that this is a bit of a stretch. So let me just say that you may be surprised to know that I immediately heard back from other trans people who were suddenly having the same realization about themselves after seeing me talk about it. I think this is officially a thing. Because what I mentioned about transphobic society is true. When you're not raised in a home environment that's conducive and accepting of exploring your gender and your truth to find the real you, when you're not even told that trans is just something people can be and it's a perfectly normal and okay way for humans to be, nothing makes sense. You don't understand the world, you don't understand yourself, you feel a little broken inside. My parents, my friends, my family, my schools, all of society around me acted like cisgender boys and girls were the only way you could be. The word trans was either unknown or never spoken by those who did know as if it was some kind of demonic curse. And so I didn't understand why I felt the way I did. I didn't understand why I couldn't just be the girl I knew I was, why I couldn't do the things I wanted just because they were for girls and everyone told me I wasn't one and couldn't be one. And this is why I was overwhelmed with sadness at seeing that Death Star cutaway. It was for that poor girl who just wanted to know herself, to understand why she felt the way she did and why she looked for it in every piece of cutaway art she could find as if they unlocked the mysteries of the universe. We're all searching for meaning, for truth, anywhere we can find it, and we have to find ourselves in places that were maybe not even intended to be for or about us. And we still have to do that as adults because our representation is nearly non-existent or often awful. I wanted to ask you, CJ, how have you found non-binary representation in media to be? Have you had to find your own representation in something that even specifically might not have spoken directly to being non-binary? Oh, it's, it's very poor in like yeah. mainstream media. The odd representation. I'm trying to trying to even think of ones that have like really like jumped out to me. Like, oh, that was good. There's a little in uh, a show called Easy on Netflix, which is a show that I really appreciate. Like that that has that has a lot of queer representation in it. And then 
Orange is the New Black maybe had a non-binary character in at some point. That's And, of course, Star Trek Discovery is the one that I, I think has yeah. probably been the most successful of mainstream shows that has really, like, just addressed it head on and presented it within the concert Star Trek universe, which is lovely because, of course, in that, when the character kind of comes out in the show, everyone goes, yeah, sure, no worries. And that's the right. and that's, that's sort of the end. And, there, and then the show continues, and it's yeah. not re- it doesn't really get discussed after that point. But that's great because yeah. at that point, it's just a non-binary character in the show. I think that's rare. I think I I will generally identify more with more with women or femme characters than I will with with men or mass characters or, or cis men or, or you know characters yeah. in in a TV show. I always have whenever I play. You know, role-playing RPGs, I will invariably choose a woman character if there isn't an option of a non-binary character. Yeah. And there's never an option of a non-binary character, right? right? That, do- that doesn't no. exist in role-playing yet. You know, you either you either get a character with the body with boobs or without boobs. That is that is the the, the, the <laughs> RPG <laughs> RPG computer game construction at the moment. It's very, very subtle and nuanced. Uh not. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I hope, it, you know, I, I do feel it's getting better. I, I know that Doctor Who, which is a show that I'm a big fan of, they are really pushing. There's, there's going to be a, a trans woman character in the new series. And they are bringing on more and more queer, not just queer characters, but queer actors to play those characters as well yeah. in, 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 the next, in the next few series. And, you know, so things are changing. And it's funny that disconnect I was saying earlier, you know, the conversation in the UK is dire at the moment. And it is. But there is a disconnect between sort of the newspapers, sadly, even the BBC, which hurts my heart a bit, but even that has become too transphobic for my liking, and the government. And then there is still great, like, creatives working in theatre and books and TV and, and comics that are bringing great stuff out in the UK, and it's just pushing back against this tide yeah. of anti-trans rhetoric that seems so loud and yet is spouted by such a small minority of yeah the exactly country. yeah so we so it's coming it's coming yeah i you know this just brought to mind i don't know if you've seen it or if it's available in the uk but there's a two season show called rutherford falls that's on peacock here in the us okay. and there's a non-binary main character they're part of the main cast their name is bobby and they are fabulous and they are super well done. And also, I can't remember the actor's name at the moment, but they steal absolutely every scene that they are in. They are a joy to watch every time they're on screen. So if if, you, if that's available there, you might check it out. It's a really oh. uh, good, funny show and really good non-binary rep. Thank you. I will definitely check that. I'm always yeah. looking for any media with more queer people, right? more non-binary so people, even better. So yeah, so hard yeah. to find it sometimes. Thank you. I will. Yeah. For the folks listening, if you'd like more on looking for ourselves in places that don't feature us on the surface, you can see the Trans Tuesday and finding your own representation with Pink, and the Trans Tuesday on the New Past, which was about finding my own representation with KJ and Paper Girls, which gave me back some of what transphobic society has stolen from me. And you can even see the Trans Tuesday on physical representation, which is really about having to find our own representation through somewhat similar body types, because we're left with so few options. And yes, sometimes we find our own representation in cutaways and blueprints and schematics and technical diagrams, <laughs> because maybe if they can help us understand those things, they can somehow help us understand ourselves. Thanks for being here, CJ. No, thank you so much. It's been a joy, and I'll come back anytime. Yay. Maybe for the very next episode. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah.
don't be afraid to look inside the things around you or inside society or inside yourself. All of us want to better understand ourselves and the world around us, and you never know where those answers may be waiting. Tilly Bridges and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.